Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card. Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. If... By chance, you are watching, which I think a lot of you will be, Bills-Titans tonight, or if you are going to be at the Bills-Titans game, Jason Whitlock, myself, and my two oldest kids, there's not going to be a lot of people in the crowd. So who knows? They may catch us on the CBS uh, monitor, so you can keep your eyes peeled. We had to look for our uh, cardboard cutouts. This will be Where is Waldo, Clay Travis, Jason Whitlock edition because uh, we're going to be in the, in the red seats uh, around midfield. So who knows? Uh, maybe uh, you'll be able to pick us out because there's not going to be, I think there's only going to be like 8,000 people at the game tonight. But phenomenal night of viewing sports last night. If you were sitting down going back and forth on your television broadcast like I was, unless you happen to be a Dodgers and a Chargers fan, in which case you took double body blows pretty close together. Now, I'd imagine a lot of you guys are also Laker fans, so you're not exactly hurting right now. You've had a lot of wins. But last night, bottom of the top of the ninth, sorry, Braves score four runs, take control of the series. The Braves, which have been one of the least reliable postseason teams anywhere in baseball, leaving aside the Minnesota Twins. Sorry, Twins fans, for bringing that up. But the Braves couldn't win anything, and now all of a sudden they've gotten white hot, and they have won six straight. And obviously they were playing against the Dodgers, who had won five straight. But the Braves now have, uh, in their six wins, five of them, I believe, have been games where their pitching staff gave up one run or less. So they gave up one run last night to the Dodgers. They had four shutouts as well. So it's not just that they have uh, that they have won; it's that their pitching has suddenly become dominant, and that continued all throughout the evening, with the exception of the the one sort of hanging curveball from uh, Max Freed that was driven into the uh, into the seats by uh, Kiki Hernandez. And we had a tie game going into the ninth that was a, a you know white knuckler, and the Braves found a way to win. We'll see what happens tonight with Clayton Kershaw on the mound in the ALCS. The Tampa Bay Rays have continued to be on a roll. They have won two in a row against the Astros, even though nobody seems to believe in the Rays at all. So uh, we'll see what happens with game three there. But Monday night football, Drew Brees going up against Justin Herbert. And I got to tell you, I don't the, the way that the Chargers find to lose football games, the variety, the difficulty, the uh the, the, the just the the sheer improbability 
of the way that the Chargers find to lose close games. Not just lose. Lose close games is pretty crazy. So, the Chargers in their last 16 one-score games are 3-13. and 3-13 and in their last 16 one-score games. And last night, they doinked one off the uprights that would have won the game down in the Superdome. And then... In overtime, after holding the Saints to an opening possession field goal, they, uh, they they have one of their top players, Mike Williams, get tackled a yard short on fourth down. I mean, a really an amazing tackle. I believe it was by Marcus Lattimore when it looked like Mike Williams was going to power through. And by the way, Mike Williams had made earlier in this uh, in this game in the final drive an incredible catch. Now, if you are a Charger fan. So far this season, your team, and this is a wild stat, your team has had a 17-6 lead on Patrick Mahomes, a 24-7 lead on Tom Brady, and a 20-3 lead on Drew Brees, and the Chargers have lost all three of those games. Mahomes, Brady, and Brees have all come back from double-digit second-half deficits nearly to win this football game. I know the 20 to 3 lead was late in the first half and I know also the 24 to 7 lead against Brady I believe was late in the first half as well. 17 to 6 lead for Patrick Mahomes was into the second half. And I mean the Chargers are 1 and 4 right now and it's not crazy to say hey they could be 5 and 0. Oh. It's also not crazy to say they could have lost the one game that they won which was on the offensive pass interference call where if that call is not made, then A.J. Green scores. And even if that call was made, if the Bengals kicker doesn't come out, and it seems like a long time ago now, but if he doesn't injure himself attempting like a 35-yard field goal and shank it, then they wouldn't have won that game. But the Chargers are definitely much better than their record. And I got to say this about Justin Herbert. First of all, he's won the starting job. He was unbelievable again last night. He throws one of the best deep balls in the entire NFL. He's 6'6", 250 pounds. He can take a hit. He can hang in the pocket. And I can't even think. You guys can think of this and tweet me if you can think of somebody who's better. I can't think of a quarterback who has come in as a rookie and looked so much better than he did in college. You guys know I watch a lot of college football. So I watched a lot of Justin Herbert games over the years. And I would watch Justin Herbert and I would say, man, he's got all of the intangibles, right? Big, strong, physical, tough. But there was just something about him that made me uncomfortable projecting him into the NFL. And I think it was that ability to really stretch the field. The Oregon Ducks really didn't let him throw down the field that much. And that seems crazy to me because of how beautiful of a deep ball he is already throwing in the NFL. It's not very often that you go up a degree in difficulty and actually look better than you did at the lower degree of difficulty location. But that right now is where we are with Justin Herbert. He looks better as an NFL player than he did as an Oregon Duck. And it's not just me saying that. There are a lot of Pac-12 fans out there listening to me right now, nodding along. There's a heck of a lot of Oregon Duck fans that are listening right now. And you're like, I mean, even you guys have to be stunned by how good he looks compared to what he did in even his senior year at Oregon. Remember, this is a guy who won the Rose Bowl with his legs in his final game as an Oregon Duck. And if I'm a Charger fan, even though all those blown leads uh, against Mahomes and against Brady and against Breeze, it's frustrating. It's frustrating that the Chargers are one and four, but I do think the future is brighter than you could have ever anticipated it being just based on how good Justin Herbert is playing. So you're not going to be a playoff team this year. You're going to have to contend with Patrick Mahomes, unfortunately, in the division for years and years to come. But who would you rather buy stock in right now other than the Chargers? I know Derek Carr is looking decent. Big win for the Raiders on the road. 
I'm not really sure what's going on with the Broncos in terms of their quarterback situation and Drew Locke being unhealthy. But to me, Justin Herbert looks like a tremendous difference maker and that he and Mahomes can start to have some real battles in the years ahead as two young quarterbacks in the AFC West. Now, maybe Drew Locke's going to be able to step up to the plate and that's going to be a storyline worth following. And we'll see exactly how Derek Carr continues to evolve in that John Gruden offense. But if I am a Charger fan, while I'm frustrated about that loss last night, I'm at least sitting around thinking, man, Justin Herbert is a lot better than we had any reason to believe. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Redestine tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installation installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their redestine test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Juan Gabriel, Juanquis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Christina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez and I'm Joseph Carrillo and we're the host of Becoming an Icon season two. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are joined now by a guy who knows a little something about fighting, Jorge Masvidal, who has been uh, all over the UFC and beyond. Jorge, I appreciate you getting uh, up early with us this morning. Uh, First of all, I want to start with this. Um, I saw a story, I don't know if it's true, your dad, I believe, was from Cuba, and he tried to escape and ended up in the Virgin Islands on a raft. What, what is that story exactly? It's a good one. So my dad decided that uh, Cuba wasn't going to dictate his favorite color, what profession he'd have in life, and the amount of food he'd eat per day. So he decided at a very young age that he'd take off, and he got kind of lucky. His older brothers had attempted before, and they had all failed. So he had a best friend, and that best friend had an uncle. And they were able to find a tire track that was left behind. It was like a broken-down tire tractor. They got the inner lining from it. They they did whatever makeshift they did. And one of the older guy, the, the one that was running the operation, 
was like an experienced fisherman and spear fishing guy and he used to like you know in cuba they, they could make miracles happen over there i mean you got these cars from like the 60s still running in 50s so they're very resilient on their feet so they made the raft and they made the wa- these water containers that they would take out sea and they took off the only problem was that on day two their water got contaminated so they were at sea another like five days in total like six or seven days and on like second day that's it they didn't have no water so my dad told me how dehydrated and how how broken down he got there as a human being. He said he was pretty close to death by the time they saved him, you know. And where did he end up? In the Virgin Islands, and then he got extradited to the U.S., where he began his journey in America. That That's an incredible story. Have you ever been to Cuba yourself at all? No, my dad's... Um, my dad's prohibited me from going there. There's not too many things he's given me a hard no on. This was one of them, you know. And it, and it still wasn't like I, I couldn't go there. But he just told me he, he didn't, uh, like when, when st- things started loosening up with Cuba that Americans could go over there. He, he, one of the first things he told me was, you, you're going to be helping out the communist government. If you go over there, and I would appreciate it. You wouldn't because that's what I ran from. So I, uh, I took it to heart and I've never been you grew up in Miami, and I love, first of all, the city of, of Miami. We were down there for the Super Bowl. It's such a vibrant, incredible place. But there are so many people in South Florida who have seen or have had family members experience what you talked about, which is seeing the, the cold, hard hand of communism, socialism, not allowing people to have freedoms. A lot of people in America who were born and raised here, myself, other people listening to us right now, don't know what not having freedom is like. How much did your dad instill upon you as you were growing up how fortunate you were to be in the United States as opposed to Cuba or where he had grown up? I mean, it, it, it was instilled in me from like knee high, you know, just like I instilled it in my son where, where he knows very well where his grandpa came from and, and the struggles. And he doesn't quite understand everything yet. He's five years old, but he, he you know, he knows certain things. Um, and not just my father, you know, my, my father was one person that escaped, but every family member that, uh, that came from Cuba has a story about it. You know, none of their stories were easy. If they didn't defect to like a, a South American country or Mexico, or they, they, you know, risked their life to get over there. My cousin, her left breast is missing because between Cuba and Guantanamo Bay, it's a field of dynamite and landmines, which they know, you know, and obviously the, the Communist Party is so cool and people want to stay there so bad that they have to rig it with dynamite so everybody could stay, you know. It's it's so amazing, and she risked her life to get over and in the process lost her left breast. Thank goodness she didn't bleed to death. They were able to, to bring her over to the other side, and then, you know, she's in America now. She's the strongest Trump supporter you've ever met, and she's a, a Latin American person. We're talking to uh, Jorge Masvidal, um, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. But when you grow up as a uh, as someone who has stories like that in your family history, how much does that factor in with how tough you are as an athlete yourself uh, to prove that 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 you know your family has been through so much already? What happens in an octagon? doesn't necessarily seem like it's the highest level of uh, of competition, right? Does that, does that ever factor in your head as you're training or as you're pursuing your craft as a fighter? Oh, I mean, you just stole the words right out of my mouth. It's it's different battles, you know. It's, I mean, I, I'd be a big uh, coward, I think, to said, see, with, with guys that, you know, never had done that before, never had had uh, crossed that amount of water ever i i don't know you know i i want to say that i I, i'd be brave at the moment and do it but you just don't know till you get there so the it's something that i'm always like man you just you're another level of badass they they call me all types of names and cool acronyms but my to me that's another type of legend status you know you mentioned walking a line line that that if you're willing to risk yourself and and walk on these mines or, or try to outsmart them, you're playing with death. You know, it must be that whatever's behind you is so bad that you're willing to risk your life or limbs. It's, it's mind-blowing. We're talking to Jorge Masvidal, one of the, uh, the most famous UFC fighters of them all. And you mentioned it a little bit. You obviously have uh, Cuban ancestry, I believe. Your mom was Peruvian. You are a huge supporter of the President of the United States, Donald Trump, and you have been on a bus tour all over Florida supporting him. You hear some people say, oh, the president is racist uh, against Hispanic people, against black people. Uh, what has your experience been like with the Trump administration, and how would you respond to people who make those criticisms? 
I, I don't know. I just the, the same people that make those criticisms when you ask them. So point out something that's that's racist. It there it's just it's muzzled. It's a lot of feelings, not actual facts. Like I can tell you an actual fact about Joe Biden and the crime bill that directly affected my community, the Latin community. I can tell you how he's called African Americans super predators. I've never heard Trump call my people that they did. They did some sound bites and clip and, and changed up things and said that he called Mexicans all types of names. But he was talking about MS-13 gang members. You know, they they take commas and and, and remove them out of the the sentences and we loop them how they want. But from what I've seen, I I wouldn't be with somebody racist. I'm not. I'm not a white dude with blonde hair and blue eyes. I'm not a white supremacist. I wouldn't be voting for somebody that I thought was associated with that in any way. It's in fascinating. Any I don't care. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? Um, sometimes the power of the media, and I'm sure you've seen it too, in that they can... I mean, I'm getting all types of things from my own Latin fans that they think I'm racist or that I've sold out because I got money now. Quite the contrary. Trump isn't giving me a penny to say any of these things. This is what I'm seeing from myself. This is what I'm seeing in my own eyes. Biden, under the Biden administration, he deported more Latins than any other president in history. Twice. He did that twice. More than Trump still has deported. So I, I don't get it. How, how are you going to call Trump racist when this man has clearly done certain things, you know? There, there are the a lot of... Yeah, there are a lot of athletes who speak out in favor of Joe Biden or Democrats against Donald Trump. There are not as many athletes in general, although there are some that speak out in favor of Trump. And you mentioned some of the criticism uh, that you might get for speaking out in favor of the president. Um, Why do you think athletes in general are not as outspoken uh, supporting the president as they are criticizing him? I I don't know. I... I don't know. I get confused in there. Maybe some of them haven't traveled that side of the country. Maybe some of them just don't know. Maybe some of them have lost touch with reality. See, I didn't. I've 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 had humble beginnings and I've stayed humble throughout my career. I, I started making rather large amounts of money towards the end of my career. Some of these guys are twenty million dollars in their pocket when they're like twenty one, twenty two years old. They're a little bit out of touch with reality. I think sometimes some of them. I I, I don't want to speak for all of them. I, I just don't know. But I can tell you, like the ones that speak well of socialism and communism, they haven't lived those lives or, or know things like that. I don't want to mention names, but there's a couple guys out there that be advocating for that, and I, I just don't get it. Why Why don't you go to that country? Why don't you go at you, you'll go there and visit? And these people love to go to these places because their economy is so destroyed that your dollars a thousand dollars over there. So you you think that's like a good vacation place, but you wouldn't want to live in these socialist places. You just want to go there on vacation, stop on the cruise ship, and and buy some souvenirs, you know? No, it's interesting, and I'm going to mention a name because we've talked about him on this program. As a a guy with Cuban ancestry um, and and whose family has has dealt with the Castro administration, as many people who are listening to us in South Florida know all too well, when you see a guy like Colin Kaepernick praising Fidel Castro and Cuba – and many people in the media don't even say a word to, to to speak out against that. What does that sound like to you as someone who knows the real history of Cuba and what has happened to the people who live there? My mother taught me something. She said, if you got nothing nice to say, don't don't say it. But I, I got nothing nice to say about this individual, really, to tell you the truth. I mean... He wore he wore a Che Guevara shirt in Miami with with the amount of press that he gets. Like he's sending a message like "f you guys," you know. Like Che Guevara, I, I know to some people he's like this great individual, but he he killed family members of mine down the line. He killed friends of my family members. My, I've I've heard the horror stories. This guy was a mass murder. So maybe he did some parts okay of his life, but at the end of the day, he was a mass murder for a cause. And if you fought against him, and they took you in a field somewhere. And murdered you, executed you like you were a dog, and on to the next. And hey, are you going to be part of this party or not? No, nope. boom. I I don't think that's that's the way you should live, you know. And and I'm a very I could be very physical and be an imposing guy, but politics and religion should never be forced on anybody, especially life or death. And that's what this guy did. And Kaepernick praises this guy. I don't I don't understand. It blows my mind. I don't think he's educated on the subject enough. Or maybe his teachers in college sold him a dream from that podium that he bought and purchased because he's never he's never been to these places. He, he wouldn't dare. You think this guy would go live in Cuba for a month under their conditions? Not under some tourists visiting, but under real conditions where you have no water. you got to walk for the water. There's not such a thing as hot water over there. <clears throat> you want to buy food? 
will get in line, wait for like three days, and hope that they have some eggs and some bread. And if they ran out, go to the next town and wait another two, three days for food, for basic necessities like soaps and razors. You got to wait in the line to get it. What is that? You know, I these guys are I, it's mind blowing. We're talking to Jorge Masvidal. Do you think it would be helpful? You mentioned like Americans traveling, but Americans often travel to resorts and they stay inside of gated communities and there's a nice beach and there's people waiting on them. Do you think it would be helpful if Americans had to really see how the rest of the world lives so that we would take less for granted the advantages that we have in this country? I, I think so. But definitely in school, you know, I'm seeing this this massive movement towards uh what it feels like anti-America, you know, like what yes. I'm hearing kids talking about since a young age. So they're getting our kids young. They've sent their intellectuals from communist parties. And I, and I, and I feel this way, especially because I'm from South Florida, where we got Venezuela, we got Cuba, we got a lot of Eastern European. We don't know if they're sending their intellectuals over here to indoctrinate our kids since a young age. Like we don't know. There should be like some system in places teaching the young kids at an early age, what socialism is, what it's led to a hundred million deaths and counting. You know, it's it's mind-blowing. Jorge, I mean, I appreciate you coming on. I feel like we could spend a lot of time with you. For people out there who are interested in what you're saying and what you're doing, what would you tell them to do? Be diligent on your research. It's your future. It's your life. You don't have to listen to anything I said. Go fact-check everything I said. But just go out there and, and, and really seek the truth, you know? Look at bills. Look who passed bills. Look who's done what for what people. You know, when, my, my father always tell me that one way that they used to just watch the population over there was what you saw on TV because it was like three channels on TV and it was controlled by the Communist Party. We're looking at TV channels now and we're seeing, wow, they lean one way so damn hard they don't even say the truth. They don't they don't cover these rights, people dying, losing their lives because they're trying to open up businesses or not have their businesses vandalized. It's crazy. So it, it, just do your own diligent research and homework and, and find the truth. We're talking to Jorge Masvidal. Last question for you. When will you fight again? We're working on February, but nothing's promised yet. Um, there's no name yet either. We're just kind of figuring out also when this corona thing's going to end so we could also cash in on the live gate. So we're just sitting back waiting on, on details, dates, and numbers. I appreciate the time, my man. We'll talk to you again, uh, and, uh, and thank you for spending some time with us this morning. Yes, sir. God bless, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. That's Jorge Masvidal, UFC fighter, reached out and wanted to come on the show. Fantastic. I mean, that is, I I am utterly fascinated, as many of you know. We talked um, a while ago with Armando Salguero about people who have experienced living in Cuba or their families have and the way they respond to the idea of communism or socialism is totally different than the way that you or I, who've been fortunate to have grown up in America and not have any experience with that at all. I mean, just, just an incredibly fascinating way to look at the world because of your own life experience. We need to get Jorge Moss at all on here again. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. You guys generally remember that on Tuesday we have Jason Whitlock hanging out with us. Just finished off hour one with him. He is rolling now into hour two. We were talking about the fact that we are going to be at the big game tonight in the NFL. The Bills on the road against the Titans. Bills 4-0, Titans 3-0, and what that experience will be like to be in the crowd. Uh, you get to spend that time with uh, with my kids, my, uh, my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old to be with us. By the way, you came out and watched games how would you describe watching the Tennessee-Georgia game with me on Saturday? You got in I felt uh, like about I was time in your that way. game. Yeah, you got it in yeah. about time that game started. Yeah, I felt like I was in your way uh, and was a distraction from your nuttiness as a uh, – uh, but you know what? It reminded me as a Tennessee volunteer fan. It literally reminded me, I told you this, I said, this is yep. how I am when Ball State plays. Yep. And, you know, I watch every Ball State game online or on ESPN3 or whatever, and it, it's hard for me to focus or think about anything else. And then seeing your level of frustration – after the game was over and how bad Tennessee played in the second half, yeah, that was humorous to me because, as I told you, I was like, let me just say this, man. If you were at my house 
and Ball State had just played a second half like that, I would just go to bed and tell you, hey, lock the door or shut the door when you leave because I would be in bed miserable uh, for the next three or four hours trying to recover from what I, what I just saw from your volunteers. What's so ridiculous is, and you saw it in person and people who have watched games with me over the years know this, I'm not a very emotional person, right? You know me pretty well at this point. Like, it's hard to get me really riled up, fired up. I mean, you know, I'm opinionated. I'll tell you exactly what I think, but – Football games in particular, when I'm rooting for, and I I really only root for two teams, really, the University of Tennessee and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And so uh, Tennessee Athletics, University of Tennessee Athletics from when I was a kid, and then the Titans who I've adopted for the last 25 years or whatever it is that they've been playing in in the state of Tennessee. And those are the only, and now gambling wise, if I got a lot of money on the game, that's different, but it's not, that's just a pure financial investment, right? Where you're reacting and you're angry about decisions that are being made. That's money. And people typically, you know, are emotional about money and stuff, but I will lose my mind uh, over a game still, even at the age of 41 and you're a little bit older than me and you still lose your mind over Ball State. I, I, I don't know that I've ever had this conversation with you, but a couple of years ago, I've talked about it on the show. Uh, I had an older man who was my Uber driver down in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. And, uh, and he was driving me, and he was, he was like, oh, you're in town for the Super Bowl? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, you know, I used to be a really big Atlanta sports fan. He's probably 70 years old, you know, just kind of has a, was doing Uber, he said, during the Super Bowl, just kind of as a fun thing to do to get out of the house, uh, get away from his wife so she would, you know, not yapping at him, make a little bit of money, but get to have conversations driving around. I can see how that could become appealing when you get to be 60, 70 years old. You've been married for a while, trust me. And I, and I know my wife would be happy to get me out of the house doing anything. Um, and so he said, you know what? He said, I've retired. He said, the Atlanta Falcons broke me. Uh, when they gave up that 28 to three lead, he's like, you know, I root for the Braves. You know, they won one championship, but they lose all the time. But he said the Falcons, you know, were my team. And he was like, and I didn't ever know the Dirty Birds. You know, he was walking me through all the Falcons history. And, uh, and he said, man, when we were up 28 three. He said, I was just thinking to myself, all this fandom is worth it. Everything, all my heart and soul and energy that I put into it. He was like, man, it was, uh, it was just amazing. And he said, you know, I, here I am, you know, a retired guy sitting watching the football game and I see Brady bring him back and they lose that game. And he said at the end, he was just like, I decided then and there, he said, I retired from being a sports fan. He said, you know, you retire from work. Your goal is to put in a lot of years and then your golden years, you just go off, you know, you fish, you relax, you go sit by the pool, go down by the beach, whatever it is, go to warm weather. He said, that's the reward for a life well lived. He said, why would I let Atlanta area sports teams keep putting me through this? And by the way, sorry, Atlanta fans who are like, man, this guy sounds like a genius right now because you just fired Dan Quinn. You're 0-5. Everything has basically gone downhill since that 28-3. You ever think about retiring? Because I'd never thought about the idea of fan retirement. And he just seemed so like at ease in his world that I was like, man, this guy kind of has things figured out. No telling what would happen if I just decided to retire from sports. I... I had an experience like his, and I don't know, there's no reason for you to remember this, but in 2007, Ball State football started the season 12-0, and was nationally ranked, I think got all the way up to number 14 or 13 in the country, and then we lost the MAC championship game to Turner Gill and Buffalo, a yep. team not very good, and then Brady Hoke, our coach, left to go to San Diego State. And I was so irate about everything that transpired that I thought about, like, hey, man, is this really worth it? Is, is this because, I mean, I was so upset, so miserable, so depressed. It just – but eventually I recovered, and I've spent, ever, I've spent 13 years now – trying to duplicate that season. I want to have that experience again. And that's what was so disappointing. I don't know if we could have went undefeated this year, but Ball State football was scheduled to be pretty good this year. That's what has been so disappointing about, you know, the delays and first the cancellation of of games. But, yeah, I've been through. I've thought about quitting, but I'm not going to. 
For people out there who are new and they don't know, why do you care so much about Ball State? Because I always try to remember there's people who are coming into the show new. We added a million listeners over the last month. You played at Ball State, and then you've continued to support the program in a big way as an alum. Yeah, it, what's crazy, Clay, is I played, I was a decent player, letter twice, was a starter, and on a very good team in 1988 that played for the MAC championship. But I didn't give my all to college football, and it's one of the biggest regrets I have in life. I've been a much more passionate Ball State fan and booster and supporter than I ever was as a player. It, it's really, other than family, Ball State, the university, the athletic program is my number one passion in life. Why do you think that is? Why do you think you care so much more now as an alum than you did when you were an actual player? Because I actually figured out how special the experience was. All of my best friends are Ball, Ball State athletes, former football teammates of mine, and it it, it just – it's the greatest it was the greatest five years of my life and I literally once I figured that out and it only took me two or three years after graduation where I was like oh my god I, what I wouldn't do to be able to do that all over again and so I literally at 25 26 27 years old was like I'm gonna do everything I can to make the kids that follow in behind me at Ball State have the greatest experience they can possibly have. I'm going to remind them of how special this time was. And so it's really just I want kids to have a better experience than I had at Ball State. And my experience was great. I just want theirs to be better. All right, I'm going to go in a, diff- in a direction you're probably not anticipating here before we get back to the NFL. I got home on – and I want your advice. You know my wife, all right? Yep. She has decided that we got to get the trees trimmed around around the house. All right, this is something you haven't had to worry about. You're not married. You don't have all these uh, all these crazy expenses that you don't anticipate. The trees got trimmed around our house. We have an unbelievable magnolia tree. People out there who aren't familiar with magnolia trees all over the South, you know, they they're really wide. They're expansive. They're green all year round. Beautiful, beautiful tree. We have one right by the house. Besides, she wants to get it trimmed because it's starting to like push right into the, into the house. Need to get it trimmed back a little bit. I get home Thursday night. Went out, took the family out to dinner. Come outside, stand next to this magnolia tree. And my God, it has been the trimming. It, it looks like they just cut every branch off of the tree. I mean, I, I, I have never seen anything like it. The, the magnolia tree now only has magnolia tree limbs like 10 feet in the air. They have taken off every one of the limbs that's down low. And I just stood and I looked at it and I I thought to myself, I am like, I don't even know what to say. I'm so angry about this. (laughs) What do I do? And then I'm like, but it's a tree. But I'm like, how is it possible that I could... I'm paying for everything, right? Anything, all things only go wrong with my house. So you know, like the air conditioner is not worth. Like nobody ever comes to me and says, as the as the dad in the house, nobody, Jason. This is why you know you as a single man, like nobody ever comes to me and says, hey, here's a couple of extra thousand dollars that you weren't expecting, right? When you are the dad or the mom, whoever the person is who pays for everything, only things go wrong, right? Like the plumbing's not working. The air conditioner is not working. The tree limbs need to get trimmed, and then the whole tree's gone. All of a sudden, the tree looks naked, right? Like if you, if you, like, I feel like I should give the tree a bathrobe to wear. Like I, I, I looked at it, and I'm like, what, what? I don't even know how this kind of error could happen. What, Are you sure it's an error? Uh, there is, I, there has never been a magnolia tree to look like this intentionally in the history of a magnolia tree. I am sure that someone has driven a car into a magnolia tree. It has exploded in fire, and like the limbs have all been burned off around it, and then it would look like the magnolia tree that I have in my yard right now. I don't even... I, I, my jaw literally dropped, and I didn't even know what to say. I'm not sure if it's an error, because I, I, I owned a home in Kansas City, 
and I had the trees trimmed in my backyard. I don't know what kind of trees they were, but I remember having the same reaction. Where you just stood in front of the tree. <laughs> it was just like, what in the world what happened here? Do? This looks terrible. <laughs> the tree looks bald now. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, you need to. You the next time you're over at the house, I'm telling you, you're gonna see the house, and you're gonna say, "Oh, that that is." There's no way to explain what has happened to that tree. <laughs> so I, the, my point here is, how do I let go of that? Like that's the last thing that I want to be angry about in my life. I don't like if you told me there are gonna be a billion things I could be upset about. The magnolia tree branches getting all cut off should not be. Do you have any any advice for me psychiatrically here? Yeah, the number here? one thing you got to remember, a tree is one of the most resilient things on the planet. Your tree is going to recover. You may not be alive to see it, <laughs> but it will recover. I, I'm definitely not going to be alive to see it. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Yokohama tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended installation near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their yokohama test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Juan Gabriel, Juan Gis, Selena, Selena, Celia Cruz, Azúcar, Carol G, La Bichota, Christina Aguilera, Extina, just to name a few. We're serving the whole story from rags to riches and all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez and I'm Joseph Carrillo and we're the host of Becoming an Icon season two. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know that on Tuesdays in the third hour of the program, we are joined, as you heard, from the walk-up music from Taylor Swift by the man, (laughs) the legend, at the old P, Petros Papadakis. A lot to get to. Before we get to the Lakers and what you thought of that uh, that Sunday night experience, Monday night, major L.A. sporting uh, duopoly going on there, flipping back and forth. I was up late watching. I imagine uh, many people across the country listening to us right now were as well. The Braves and the Dodgers game one of the NLCS. The Dodgers score four in the ninth inning. And the Chargers, who 
I mean, really. I, I mean, they are such a star-crossed football franchise. They find so many ways to lose. They doink a game-winning field goal off the upright, and then they get tackled one yard short of the first down in overtime in what would have been potentially a game-winning or game-tying drive. The positive is Justin Herbert looks absolutely phenomenal. But which one of those? Let's start with the Dodgers. I know it's game one of potentially a seven-game series. What can you take away, if anything, from game one last night in the Braves' win? Well, you take away that the Dodgers have bullpen issues. This kind of reared its head in the second game of the San Diego series where the Dodgers didn't look like they had a closer. Kenley Jansen went out there. He already had lost a lot of people's confidence and really, really struggled. And they had to bring in Joe Kelly, and no one really knew what the protocol was going to be in a close game. And you saw it last night. They went with Trinan, who everybody's been in love with, along with the hard-throwing young man, Gratterall, who's thrown at 100 miles an hour. And he pitched very poorly. And they got peppered in the ninth inning and it just starts the panic again and the negativity toward Dave Roberts. I mean, there's not a lot of margin for error for this Dodger team because if they don't win the championship and they don't win the title and you heard Buck and Smoltz saying it last night, the season's a failure. So when people see the bats, which are cansado, the Spanish word for tired, and they see that the relievers will struggle and give it up. All the nightmares of all the years, whether it was the Houston Rockets cheat, I mean the Houston Astros cheating, or the buzzsaw that was the Boston Red Sox or the Nationals last year and Kershaw giving up back-to-back jacks and, and getting clowned out of that. There's been a lot of things that have befallen the franchise even though they've dominated the National League. And last night was kind of the beginning of the end of that again. Now, it's it's going to be a long series. It's a seven-game series. It's not a three-game or a five-game. And the Dodgers, theoretically, are the deeper, better team. But this Braves team is the first pitching staff they've taken on in the playoffs that is, like the Death Star, fully operational. And uh, they, they struggled against it last night. Uh, Freed, who's from Harvard-Westlake, right. which is a, a bougie private school here in Southern Cal. You know who went to Harvard-Westlake back when it was called Harvard? Mark Harmon. Oh, wow. Former UCLA option quarterback and a starter, yes. believe yes. it or not. So, uh, yeah, last night was a nightmare. The Panic Brothers will reveal themselves today on AM570, your L.A. affiliate, which is one of your biggest markets, at noon. That will be Matt and I. We'll play the Panic Brothers sound. We'll get people all upset. I believe you like to call it fear porn. Yes, Clay. that's what and you we guys are, gonna, are in the middle of. Oh, think of us as a high society magazine or club or any of those that used to be at your local liquor store. You know, it, it, it's interesting. Um, Clayton Kershaw has had, obviously, a uh, tumultuous, I think it's fair to say, postseason career. He's taken the mound for game two now. its I mean, I know it's a seven-game series, but if the Dodgers were to go down 0-2, that becomes really, really difficult, right? I mean, because then you have to I don't win. know. I mean, it's like basketball. I mean, yeah. there's no... There's nowhere to go. It's not like you have to get on a plane. It's true. And There's no home field your, advantage yeah. necessarily. There's no like real. And yes. Put your tail between your legs and fly back to Atlanta, and they tomahawk chop you until Ted Turner laughs at you, and you and you're humiliated. I mean, we saw this in the bubble. A lot of teams like Denver and the Heat were just really scrappy and wouldn't go away, and they could push really talented teams to the brink. So we'll see. Yes. It's the panic of the memories of the failures of the past that will start to creep up if they go 0-2. If Kershaw teeters tomorrow, well, then you have Walker Bueller, who they took out in the sixth last night, who was really pissed, and Clayton Kershaw. 
And those are really the only two guys they've allowed to start a game. They put Dustin May in in all kinds of different situations. It just feels like they're still throwing statistical spaghetti at the wall. And that's what happens every postseason, and it seems to sort of fail the franchise. We're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 LA Sports, at the old P on Twitter. Um, and again, if, I, if, they, if the Dodgers were to lose tonight down 0-2, the challenge becomes you have to win four out of five games, right? I mean, that's the easiest way to look at the math. You even it up tonight, okay, everybody feels like it's going to be a six or seven game series. We'll see how it goes going forward. The Braves have won now six games in a row. Suddenly they can't lose in the postseason. Oh, I forgot you're win. like a Braves guy. I now I am my, my 10-year-old is a huge Braves yeah, fan, so we've watched the games the for the past several years, yes. Oh, so you're going to be all over this. All right, well, that'll be exciting. I hope it goes seven games. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I'll be watching all these games. All right, so that is what happened with the Dodgers. The Chargers. I've got a stat here that Dub just sent me of what exactly has gone on for the Chargers so far this year. The Chargers, uh, let's see what Dub just sent me. The Chargers have had a 17-6 lead against Mahomes, a 24-7 lead against Brady, and a 20-3 lead against Drew Brees. They have all been losses. Now, that is a negative, obviously, for the Chargers. Let's talk about the positive. You have watched Justin Herbert play a lot during his career at Oregon. You probably have called some of his games, I would think, yeah. almost. Yes, uh, yes, I have. I can't think of a rookie quarterback who has looked this good in the NFL that looks this much better than what he did his senior year. It's not like you know Herbert was a short-lived starter in college. He looks better in the NFL than he did in college. Would you agree with that? Well, right now he does, and, yes. and obviously it's it's very different. Uh, first and foremost, the Chargers knew that they wanted to play close games this year. They had that type of coach. They have that type of coach. They have that type of mentality. Defensively, they they had that type of starting quarterback, but. If you want to play tight games, you have to find a way to win them, right? Yes. You have to overcome. I mean, you you and I can both agree on one thing, Clay. I've been on a lot of bad football teams in my life. And the narrative on those football teams is always, you know, on film day, is, oh, God, if this guy would have just done this, this would have happened. And, oh, look at how we just missed this. We were this close. We were a pubic hair away from victory. Blah, blah, blah. Well, that doesn't get you anywhere unless it's horseshoes and hand grenades, right? All of our yes. grandfathers told us that. So if you're going to play tight games, you've got to make the field goal at the end of regulation, right, and get the hell out of New Orleans. That's how this works. You've got to put your foot on Tom Brady's neck. You can't turn it over right before the half. You've got to take care of Mahomes and continue to get after him. You can't leave the door open for these teams. So that's what's happening there. Now, as far as Herbert goes, that's very interesting. You know, I saw a lot of people tweeting last night about, well, the Oregon offense, you know, held him back and it showed off what Marcus Mariota did. Okay, those are two different offenses. The only time Justin Herbert theoretically played under Chip Kelly's offense was his true freshman year under Mark Helfrich, right. who's, who's now a broadcaster. So what Mario Cristobal did was very different. Mario Cristobal is an offensive lineman. He wants to build Oregon front to back. He cares really deeply about the fronts, and he didn't want that guy to throw the ball downfield very much. They ran a lot of zone read. They ran a lot of very, very precise one-read routes, and they didn't want him uncorking his abilities for whatever reason. And they had a lot of success, and he was a top-ten pick. So it all worked out pretty good. Now, to see it at the NFL level, where this he's soon. standing up six foot six, and he can throw a ball accurately, consistently, 60 yards down the field and beat professional football coverage, now that is different. And everybody and their mom looks like a great play caller when the kid can do that. It opens up your defense. Uh, I mean, it opens up your offense. It, it backs the safeties way off. And he makes people pay. He sees the field. I heard uh, Brian Greasy say it like this, and I was thinking it when he said it, that the kid really sees the field so much better than you would expect 
a young person to see it. And I don't, I mean, I always thought he was an intriguing prospect, but I didn't, I didn't see this coming. Obviously, Tom Telesco, the GM of the Chargers, did, and he's done a hell of a job. But unless they start winning some games, this kid's going to have a different head coach next year. Well, let's, let's pause there for a sec. I mean, I don't even think Oregon Duck fans saw this coming. You know, people who have watched this team play as closely as they possibly can. I mean, and it feels like forever ago in the Rose Bowl, but you'll remember he found a way to win the Rose Bowl running the football. They, they yeah, that was kind of his – to me, that was really uh, – that was a telling moment in his career, those two games. You know, yeah. uh, the, the Pac-12 championship against what a lot of people thought was a way better Utah team with five or six NFL players at least running around on their defense. I mean, a really good defense and a really good secondary. And he came out and he showed all the looseness and confidence – in that Pac-12 championship game and another damp night in Santa Clara. And then he came down and showed it wasn't a fluke in the Rose Bowl. And look, I mean, we talk about Cam Newton and his size and strength and power and how special that is and how he's so different. I mean, that's who Herbert is. I mean, Herbert's 6'6", 250. Yes. He's right. a freaking beast. And he, he might end up dismantling because of that and, and take too many hits. I've seen him take one too many already. But... He is a really, really humble, nice kid who's been tucked up there his whole life in Eugene and played for an offensive lineman as a head coach. And now you're starting to see uh, what, it, what, what, uh, what arm talent and confidence can do wrapped into one. And, I mean, some of these guys he's throwing to were DoorDash delivery drivers last week. I mean, they, the Chargers have had a rash of injury, injuries, and Keenan Allen went down last night, too. And he definitely has been one of the biggest stories in football, if you've been paying attention, on a team that's not winning games. I don't think there's any doubt. We're talking to Petros Papadakis, AM570 LA Sports, Petros and Money Show, very successful. And remember, you know, Clay, the Chargers could be, they, they could very easily be winless if it wasn't for a, a touch-and-go pass interference penalty against A.J. Green. That's a good point. the Bengals. Which the, feels like forever game. ago back in week one, right? Right, before COVID hit the NFL. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, all right, so those both happened last night. On Sunday night, I, I believe, if I'm correct, everything kind of runs together, as I was saying earlier. <laughs> the Lakers won game yeah. six. Now, a lot okay, of people... I had, I had the greatest experience of my life, let me tell you. Yes. Now, you know that I am no Laker fan. I never really have been. But I, I appreciate and understand what they mean to the city, and I understand the brand and all that. And I do a, a local show here in L.A., which has been going for years. I think we're in our 15th season. I think it's my 14th season. We called The Challenge on NBC. Yes. Local. And we come on after the, the pro football game. Fred Rogan, who is uh, a, a national broadcaster for the Olympics and all that, and one of the most decorated broadcasters in the history of Los Angeles. Him and I have done the show forever. And I really didn't want to go there and do a Laker masturbation show and, you know, let's throw to LeBron sound and let's come back and let's let's compliment the bubble and all. And instead, what we had, I was in a fully operational newsroom connected to a studio and we had the chopper up and we had all those people running around shooting more yes. by Staples Center. And we were talking to the helicopter guy and going rubber bullets. And like I, I was freaking Walter Cronkite. It was the greatest night ever. Like I felt like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory. Just to, and I was like, hey, show us Vermont, you know, pull back. Let's see what's going on in East L.A. Just to, you know, after living in L.A. all these years and seeing all those car chases and talking about them on the radio and yes. talking live and trying to avoid it if somebody dies or not look like a heartless bastard. I mean, just to be able to control the chopper on the local news in that room, it made what was usually an annoying night, which is any championship coronation. I don't care if it's a team I like, to a very fun one. So for people out there who don't know that are listening to us, they have had uh, for one of the L.A. staples on television is every time there's a car chase, they break in and take it live through the 
helicopters, right? And as you mentioned, sometimes there are uh, unexpected, awful endings. Like uh, a few years ago, every uh, it's been several years probably, but a guy committed suicide. Oh, I saw that. That was in college. That was like twenty years ago. Yeah, okay, it's been a long time. But uh, but so every now and then they have a really dark ending, right? But in yes. general, a uh, high-speed chase oh, a is an L.A. Oh, a guy Desert Eagle in Vernon, which is the town uh, that uh, was uh, inspi- inspired True Detective Season 2. Yep. Some guy pulled out a Desert Eagle and was hanging out of the window and just firing it off. And they riddled him with bullets. We, we did that one live. Yeah. So this time you're taking the, uh, this time you're taking the celebration of the Laker championship. Uh, what, how would you describe – I know you watched it live in that particular aspect of people that went outside and celebrated and everything else. To me, it felt somewhat muted because it occurred on a Sunday night during an NFL game and during an NFL weekend. And yeah, and they all also, thought it was coming Friday. You know, yeah, right. So it felt up. like it was going to happen Friday, and then it happened Sunday – and then it's like, I mean, we, we barely talked about it on Monday because we talk a lot of college football and NFL on this show. And some people are like, hey, you hardly talked about it. I'm like, yeah, because my audience tunes in on Monday for football. And I don't think that many people care about basketball happening during football season. Yeah, uh, I think they, they have to answer for how, how down their ratings were. A lot of people have a lot of different theories as, as to why they were. There is no question that it, it just and, and Don McLean, who's a basketball analyst and an NBA person and somebody we respect highly, he, he co-hosted the show yesterday. That's why people got excited about him in the first place. You know, that's why him and Steve Sarkeesian experts will tell you long before they were ready to have those jobs. Do you know why they had those jobs? Why did they have those jobs? Because the USC dynasty. No, because Pete Carroll was jealous of Norm Chow. Pete Carroll did not like Norm Chow. It, look, you can go back. To I thought. Sorry, I thought you meant the jobs after uh, after being well, the no, USC. But they would have never gotten those jobs if Pete Carroll didn't push Norm out and he didn't want to and promote those guys and basically push those guys to everybody in the media and sell them to the world. And, and you know, Pete Carroll's obviously a very good football coach, and he recognized their play calling talent. But any expert in the world especially people like me who were around back then, will tell you that maturity-wise, Lane Kiffin and Sarkeesian were nowhere close ready to have a college football head coaching job at a place like Washington or USC. And I believe the record shows that, not just the record of uh, wins and losses, but the record of immature behavior. And, of course, the, uh, the stuff that people actually talk about on air and the stuff that people talk about off air are – well, let's just say it's salacious, and that's why one guy got fired on a tarmac, and that's why one guy ended up basically, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, drinking himself out of the job publicly, which is really humiliating, right? I mean, but there's a reason those guys got those jobs in the first place. They were good play callers. They communicated well with the quarterbacks on the field or up in the booth with Norm, but it was all Norm. I mean, Norm was the guy, USC never won a championship without Norm Chow calling the plays. Yet, the the offensive quote-unquote geniuses that come out of USC are Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. Never called plays for a championship team. So it is is quite interesting, but look, they, they know how to do it. I mean, they're really good offensive coaches. Now, can they recruit, coach a defense, keep everybody in the same kind of uh, zone, so to speak, as far as the people you're responsible for as a college football coach, which is all the players, half the recruits, all their parents and the dumb crap they say, all your stupid-ass assistants and the stupid stuff they do, and probably a bunch of stuff that your donors and your AD, if you're your AD's guy, you're kind of responsible for what he does. I mean, these guys, there's a, it's a big umbrella of responsibility, and I can tell you for sure, Lane and Steve weren't ready for that as head coaches. Uh, they've had a lot of uh, hills and gullies because of that. But... A place like Old Miss is, is perfect for Lane because he can come and put on an offensive show and still lose the game. And you ask the question like, hey, could you believe that offense? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's Lane Kiffin at Old Miss. That's great. Good for him. 
how excited are you with the idea, at least, the Big Ten going to be back soon, Pac-12 going to be back soon, Mountain West? Uh, it, it does start to feel like college football season is close to blossoming in full bloom, even though for many of us it feels that way already with the SEC back underway. But it's pretty cool, right? Well, for you guys it does, you know, and I enjoy football. Yeah, I know the Big 12 quite well because of uh, the years of work I've done on it, but out here on the West Coast just to see all these players who made a promise to play just somewhere else, you know, because that's the coach they committed to, even though they might have been recruited by a place that's actually playing, uh, that part's been hard for me. And then just the whole, you know, the cutting out of the people that make a living around sports and like a Lakers championship, you know, who makes a living around that? The people at the Staples Center that do security, the people that serve hot dogs, the people that park cars, the people that are janitors, the people that clean toilets, the people that sell jerseys, the people that sell bacon-wrapped hot dogs outside, known as danger dogs. Like, it's great that we have sports and and we have something to entertain the masses and kind of opioid us, but... I mean, those people are still being asked out of the equation while rich people make money. I mean, I I still feel a little disingenuous about the whole thing, but I, I am very much looking forward to getting back to work because every day I watch college football and everybody's worth calling a game, except for me. <laughs> well, I hope you're back soon, my man. And, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you always being here with us on Tuesday, breaking everything down. We'll see what happens in this Braves-Dodgers series, whether the Chargers can redeem themselves and uh, and more. But uh, I am super excited uh, for more and more sports to be roaring back. Appreciate you, my man. Talk to you next week. All right, Clay. Go, go. Roll Tide. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.